What is up? I am Evan Lovett, and welcome to my new podcast, In a Minute with Evan Lovett. This is an Odyssey original brought to you by my company, In a Minute Media, coming to you live from my studio in the heart of my favorite city in the world, Los Angeles, California. Let's get into it. Yo, what is up? This is episode number nine. You know where I'm at, the I Am Studios in the heart of Los Angeles. And wherever you are, thanks for tuning in. We have a hot one here for you today, so let's jump right in. Leading off this episode is something that happened in L.A. this week. One of my closest friends moved back to L.A. after a decade in New York, but that's not the what happened. What happened was the sticker shock of him trying to find a place to live. That's right, affordable housing rears its ugly head. Then we get into what I learned. L.A. used to be Saudi Arabia? Well, that's one way to put it. What do I mean? I'll explain. Then the therapy session. This is one that I'm going to need some serious advice about. Saving money. As in, I'm not doing it. Help! And lastly, if you're going to do one thing in L.A. this weekend, do this. This one's really neat. There's a place in L.A. right next to Dodger Stadium with some of the most unique and mind-blowing architecture that I've seen in this city. We're going to go check that out. All right, y'all. Let's get into it. So, something that happened in L.A. this week. My college roommate, and this is many, many years ago, by the way, he spread his wings and moved to New York. Lived there for about a decade. And he finally moved back to L.A. Sweet. Welcome back, man. He was living at a friend's place until he could find his own place. And he finally landed an apartment. For $2,900 a month. This is a 900 square foot place in Atwater Village. And Atwater Village is cool. It's great. But his spot, it's a great spot. It's not fancy. And it's pretty, pretty run of the mill. I mean, he gets the run, gets, gets it done. And it's the best he could find after weeks, if not months of looking. I mean, he was telling me the details. And I was gobsmacked, man. Let's say that again. $2,900 a month for a 900 square foot place. That's almost as much as I pay on my house mortgage. And I mean, he was telling me the travails from his search and the fact that this public narrative, this affordable housing narrative is indeed correct. There is no affordable housing in this city. But now seeing it firsthand, or I I guess this is secondhand, this is ridiculous. Look at this. Look at this. These are the average rental costs that I found from rent.com. Los Angeles, a studio apartment, average $2,356 a month. A one-bedroom, average $2,827 a month. You want a two-bedroom? You're looking at $3,781 a month. All told in Los Angeles, the average apartment cost is $2,786 a month. For 789 square feet. Oh, wow, that's painful. What about homeowners? The average mortgage in Los Angeles, $3,048 a month. If you're trying to buy a new house, the average home sale price in Los Angeles from last month, from February 2023, $913,000. Come on, that's average in this huge city. Now, I know personally there's a house close by to where we live renting for $6,500 a month. 
We live in a nice neighborhood. It's not a fantastic neighborhood. It's a suburban LA neighborhood. But $6,500 a month for a two-bedroom home? People, think about that. How the heck are we supposed to live here? I mean, my colleague in my office says, you need to be making $200,000 a year to be comfortable in LA. And that's probably an underestimate. Underestimate. That's nuts. So what happened? Why does this happen? I mean, again, supply and demand capitalism. And also the fact that everybody wants to live here. Okay, this is Los Angeles. But I did a little digging, okay? Los Angeles used to be zoned for 10 million housing units. Till the 1980s. Legislation changed. And people, the, the government really, started limiting that number of housing units that could be built on parcels across the city, right? So, you know, different areas say you can't build uh, multiple unit uh, buildings in certain areas and stuff like that. So what happened was our zone capacity is now down to 4 million housing units. And again, we're, we're over 10 million people in this metro area. And accordingly, along with that legislation, as the city keeps growing, LA built fewer housing units in the last decade than in each of the previous two decades. Now, what exacerbates that is that neighborhood opposition also makes it hard to build, even on publicly owned land. I mean, NIMBYism is real in Los Angeles. That is the truth, right? Now, let me talk numbers. Okay, look at this. From 2010 to 2019, Los Angeles lost, had a net loss of 111,000 homes that were considered affordable, had a net loss of low-income housing over a decade. And according to government standards, by the way, what is affordable housing? It's housing that costs no more than 30% of a household's gross income. So that leaves the balance of your income for other must-haves such as food and transportation. But what's the city going to do about this? So LA is going to amp up its reliance on incentives intended to get developers to have market rate or affordable housing or have a smattering of discounted units for low to moderate income tenants in their projects. And now the developers who do this will get to build more units than the city would otherwise allow. So in theory, it's a win-win. They get to build more units, make more money, and there's more affordable housing. But look at this. Even in these circumstances, the application and move-in process is arcane. It's obnoxious. It's difficult to navigate. I was talking to a developer the other day, and he has some low-income units in, in one of his new buildings. And he says, it's been four months, and I can't even place one person. I got application. I got a line around the corner. But if somebody gets even one thing wrong on their application... They need to start the entire process over. How are you supposed to even place people who can afford these places? So come on, man. I've been hearing about affordable housing, affordable housing, affordable housing. And it's ugly yet has been reared for a while, but seeing this firsthand is ridiculous. I don't know what to do about this and if it can be solved. But let me know what you're seeing out there. You trying to move? You looking for a place you can't afford? I want to know these stories. I'm seeing it firsthand. This is this is my best friend from college, and it took him forever to get a place, and that price is still ridiculous. So, I mean, how the hell are people getting by spending nearly half their money on housing? Wow, man. I love LA, but this is a tough one. Leave me a comment. Send me a DM. Let's discuss. So, I will say this. 
One way to afford housing in LA is directly related to what I learned this week. All you need to do is strike oil. <laughs> what do I mean? Well, this one's fun. Let's get into this. Check this out. I was driving down La Cienega on the way home from my brother and sister-in-law's house, right? And I see those oil derricks. I'm always like seeing them, never really thought of them. But it's funny, this is Los Angeles, active oil wells in the middle of this city of the future, right? What the, we're, we're pumping oil here in Los Angeles in 2023? Well, it turns out that Los Angeles is the largest urban oil field in the United States. Los Angeles. We still pump out over 100,000 barrels per day of oil. In fact, LA has over 20,000 oil wells and 30% of the residents of Los Angeles live within a mile of an active oil well. What the? I mean, I've always heard, you know, Beverly Hills High School has an oil well. Um, there's, uh, again, off of La Siena. You see them if you look, San Fernando. They're basically everywhere. And the history of it is crazy, right? After Edward Doheny struck it rich, okay? You want to know what it's like? Watch watch that Daniel Day-Lewis film, There Will Be Blood. It's based on Doheny. But he discovered oil in 1890, built the first wells in 1892, just south of where Dodger Stadium is, which is kind of funny. There's going to be an episode coming on that because that's neat. But as soon as that happened, <laughs> the, the black gold rush was on. I mean, we talked about last episode, the original farmer's market was owned by uh, Arthur Gilmore and, and what is now the original farmer's market also used to be an oil field. So it's all over Los Angeles, right? So after Doheny and Gilmore and these guys, these oil barons started striking it rich, all these oil industry workers in Oklahoma and Texas, which is where the oil was thought to be at the time, they made the journey West. They migrated to Los Angeles, right? They followed the oil. And here's the thing about LA oil. It's close to the surface and easy to extract. And now that we're talking turn of the 20th century, the automobile newly invented. People are starting driving around. How do automobiles work? Gasoline. What is gasoline made out of? Essentially, it's oil, right? So you get the automobile, the incredible weather, LA, the port of Los Angeles. It's a recipe for expansion. And in fact, LA was so oil crazy. Then in 1922, a community popped up near Long Beach. <laughs> it was called Petroleum Gardens. I kid you not, right? This is a new community. You can go check the ads. I'll, again, I'm going to post this on an Instagram story. It's hilarious. And Long Beach, specifically Signal Hill, was full of oil. I mean, you see some of these pictures. You have literally hundreds of oil wells interspersed with homes, schools, even on the beach. I mean, LA was truly an oil town. I mean, these are some of the most productive oil fields in history. By 1930, Los Angeles was producing nearly one quarter of the world's oil. The production from Los Angeles made it the equivalent of Saudi Arabia today. Think about that. Los Angeles in 1930 was Saudi Arabia. And you know, we always think of movies and even agriculture, how Los Angeles was built, but man... It was on the back of oil. Oil brought jobs. Even if you weren't a, an oil man, you need, they needed pumps. They needed pipes. They needed oil tanks. They needed rigs. They needed trucks. This became the basis of the LA industrial economy. And again, here in 2023, Los Angeles is still, I want to repeat this, the largest urban oil field in the country. Thousands of active wells. 
with this dense population of more than 10 million people. I mean, that's just crazy to me. One final inescapable remnant of LA's oil history. Think of that hunk of metal sitting in your driveway, that car. We went from big oil producer to big oil consumer. Los Angeles, the largest car market in America and the largest user of gasoline in the entire world. It's all due to the oil industry. And Los Angeles is at the very heart of that. Wow. (sighs) I need to strike some oil, especially when it comes to this therapy session. I'll tell you what I mean. I used to be great about saving money. I mean, ever since I was a kid, it was like a thing for me, right? My parents started a savings account at CalFed, California Federal. And I was like, I don't know, six, maybe eight years old. I don't remember when, but I remember that little book, right? You'd get your little deposit and keep your little book updated. And it just always stuck with me to put my money in the bank, save money. I'd ride my bike to the bank. It was like three blocks away. And I deposit whatever money I earned from chores that I didn't spend on baseball cards or garbage pail kids. But I deposit that money in the bank and I feel proud of myself for saving money. See my balance grow, right? And as I grew up, I kept that ethos. I didn't know what I was saving for, you know, per se, at least at the time. Uh, I remember my first, my first like big expenditure was a, was a car stereo. I don't know if you remember your first system. I had a, I had a Ford Ranger and I got a box with some subwoofers. That was my first real big purchase and I had saved up for it and I was so proud. And then, you know, in college, become a little bit more frivolous, but I'd saved for vacations, went to Spain, had some good times and, and that saved money became used, but I'd still keep saving as I'd get, I'd have these jobs, part-time jobs, put some money away in the bank, right? Then adulthood comes and saving money becomes, becomes a real thing, right? Now, now savings a whole different ballpark. You want that apartment. You want a nicer car. You want things <laughs> and you get married. That's a whole different department too. Marriage turns into saving for a house. You have a kid. Now you're really needing to tighten the belt, save that money. You're getting older. You're even thinking about retirement, right? But luckily throughout all that, you know, I get married, have a kid, get a house, and I still been able to save, balance earning, saving, and even still being able to spend and have fun, all right? The savings account, which turned into a quote unquote investment account, Kept going up. I was able to save, just was able to budget. I've always been aware with it. So I'm ready for retirement or getting ready for retirement, right? I mean, not that I'm going to retire, but I never like worried, oh, I'm not going to have enough money to retire, right? Till last year, maybe two years ago, and no, it wasn't because of COVID or whatever. My job situation, fortunately, was stable. My earnings were stable. But all of a sudden, the money I was putting away is like monthly contributions were getting smaller and smaller and smaller till it became zero. Hey, babe, imagine telling your wife, right? I did. I had to tell my wife, we're, we're not going to be able to save any money this month, right? And then that zero actually became withdrawals from our savings, right? Red flags go up, especially with my wife. She's awesome. She's an interior designer. She's great with money, Okay. She does not spend money frivolously and she makes money, right? We're a two-income family. Our kid goes to public school. Our mortgage, which I alluded to, is just over $3,000 a month. It's it's affordable for us. We, we don't eat fancy. We'll have sushi you know, once a month or so, but we cook mostly at home. We budget. And yeah, we try to go on a vacation or two every year, but we don't buy a ton of things. I mean, we do have our car 
payments. We have three dogs. We have a kid, but we are not frivolous. And so I was doing a deep dive and I'm not losing money every month. Right. And I'm like, where can we cut? Where can we cut? Is it inflation? I know inflation's gone nuts last couple of years. I know our gas bill's been excessive, right? I did an Ellie in a Minute episode on why our gas bill is going crazy. Thousand bucks. Give me a break on that, but nothing I can do. You know, I'm, I put the heat at like 69. It's not like I'm running around with 74. And yeah, I still drive a gasoline powered car. What up, Oil City? Uh, but gas prices are ridiculous and that adds up. DWP bill, auto insurance, home insurance, life insurance. I mean, where does it all go? The list of bills is kind of never ending, but haven't added on any bills. And I'll tell you where it doesn't go is my savings and I'm flummoxed. Is this just inflation? Has everything just gone up enough to, to kind of deplete what I would have been saving? Is my income, is our, are our incomes just not keeping up? I mean, somebody tell me, are you going through this? What are you doing to budget? How are you saving money? How are you keeping up with inflation? What are your money saving tricks? Let me know. I'm curious because I'm getting to that age where I'm like, damn, am I going to have enough to retire? Is my son going to have to support us in our old age? Dang. Send me some DMs, comment on the post. Let me know what you're doing to save money because I'm obviously doing something wrong. Okay. Now you want to do something right. Well, if you're going to do one thing in LA this week, do this. Go see the beautiful historic homes on Carroll Avenue in Angelino Heights. Where's Angelino Heights? It's directly adjacent to Dodger Stadium near Echo Park. And I'll tell you how I found it. I didn't even know this existed, to be honest with you. I found Angelino Heights when I was going to a Dodger game last year. And it was one of those gnarly traffic days. You know how it is. Going to, I mean, LA traffic, but Dodger traffic, right? And I was... Listen to my Google Maps, you know, take, make a left here, go right here, you know, keep taking these shortcuts and the shortcuts turn into long cuts when you're in traffic, right? I was running into worse and worse traffic stop sign. Things aren't moving and like, I'm getting pissed. I'm frustrated. And finally the game's about to start. We'd been in the car for an hour 40, by the way, no joke, hour 40 to get to a Dodger game, right? And the game's about to start. We're not close to the stadium. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to park. We're going to walk. I looked. It was like a mile. I think it was like 1.1 miles away. I'm like, let's park. We're going to walk, right? My wife's, she likes walking. I like walking. You get your steps in. My son was down. We just want to go to the game. We park. And it turns out we're in one of the most historic neighborhoods of Los Angeles, Angelino Heights. In fact, this is the second oldest suburb right after Lincoln Heights. The second oldest suburb in Los Angeles is dating back to the 1880s. So why is this worth seeing? Why is this the one thing you need to do in LA this week? I'll tell you why. This area has blocks of Victorian era houses. It's a picturesque hilltop neighborhood, right? You know those hills near Dodger Stadium. This is one of the most beautiful. But what is Victorian architecture? Again, I'm not an architecture maven, but I can tell you when something is cool and these are cool. It's a really unique look, okay? It's like, gothic influenced pitched roofs ornate design like unique intricate woodwork wraparound front porches i mean these are some homes that you do not see anywhere in los angeles at least i don't see them 
right? And they're all concentrated in this little two block area near Carroll Avenue. And now this style, I looked this up. I didn't know this, but this style, it's called Victorian because when Queen Victoria ruled about the 1830s to the 1870s, this was the style in England and Australia and the, the, the monarch's reign, right? So it's, it's called Victorian architecture. And these homes were influenced by that. What ended up happening is that the city's elite, Los Angeles elite in the 1880s and 1890s, okay? They built these magnificent residences, okay? These were settlers from the Midwest and the East, magnates, people who had old money, you know, uh, dairy farms and things like that. And they'd bring what was fashionable, this Victorian style to the West. And when these families would move out here, and, and remember, LA had only about 10,000 people in the 1870s. Before the Transcontinental Railroad in 1876, LA was a small town. You know that, I've told you guys that. So these wealthy families would move out here for the improved climate, the new commercial opportunities. They'd snap up these properties in the hills and build these Victorian homes, the homes that were so fashionable back where they were from in the homes of these times. And though some of the homes fell into disarray, some of them got demolished. Angelino Heights was the city of LA's first recognized historic district. The Angelino Heights Historic Preservation Overlay Zone was enacted in 1981. So what that did, it prohibited remodeling of these historic houses and it required new construction to resemble original architecture in scale, in materials. I mean, these homes look historic. You just feel it. You see it. And the Cultural Heritage Committee in LA has designated these homes as cultural monuments. What does that mean? It means they're quote unquote, worthy of preservation based on architectural, historic, and cultural criteria. And this is pretty cool. They've also served as the backdrop for countless movies, TV shows. I'm talking Charmed. I'm talking Michael Jackson's thriller video. I mean, you will recognize some of these homes. These are amazing. And keep in mind, when you go up there, it's just a regular neighborhood. People do live there. So when you are there, check it out. Just be respectful because people do live in those homes. But yeah, Carroll Avenue, Angelino Heights. Check that out. All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of In a Minute with Evan Lovett. This really is something that I love doing and I appreciate you. I really, really appreciate everybody that continues to listen. Give me a rating on your podcast app. I would be very thankful and share it with your friends. We're growing and we want to keep that momentum going. All right, y'all. It's been a minute. 